0: Hello and welcome to the Trainer Tools Podcast. I'm John Tomlinson. In this episode I am speaking to Bogdan Vaida. He's taken a lot of his old training courses and revamped them and put them online and created a whole suite of courses that people can do online. So he talks us through how he did that and gives us some tips and tricks and whatnot. I hope you find it useful. I'm here today with Bogdan Vida. Hi Bogdan, how are you? Hi, fine, thank you. I <laughs> it was
1: interesting that when uh, me and John came to discuss about the podcast right about now, it was like we were both almost late but just in time. So, <laughs> I'm glad I I can be here with
0: you and at the same time. Yeah, we both just made it. Because it's um, we're actually recording this in midsummer. So, And we're both in very hot climates, so um, as you said Bogdan, it's a good job, it's not a video podcast. (laughs) Yeah, 41 degrees outside. Well, what are you going to talk about today?
1: Well, today we're going to talk about how to switch from being an offline trainer to becoming an online trainer. What are the steps, how do you do it, and some tips and tricks.
0: Great, okay. And I know you've got quite a lot of experience in this, and I'll put the links to some of your work on the Trainer Tools website. Thank you. So do you want to, uh, how are you going, you're welcome. How are you going to uh, structure it?
1: Well, at first, uh, I'll talk about my story because I started out prese- actually not presenting myself but using PowerPoint and practically the PowerPoint was presenting to the audience and I was just pushing buttons and how I switched from that awful job of button pusher to becoming an online tra- trainer. This would be the first point. And then as a second point, we could, uh, we could ca- we will talk about how you can repurpose your content that you already have as a trainer to bring it to the online medium. And then for the third point, we can talk about the top three things to take care of when switching to online. Then we'll get down and dirty into getting your courses very practical and experiential, even while being online. And we'll finish with some teeny bits of advice.
0: So you're going to start off just talking about who you are and how you came to to this situation and ended up pressing buttons on PowerPoint, but then made it into something a bit more sophisticated. Yeah. And then some practical stuff. Uh, You then said sort of top three things to take care of. And then you got down and dirty, which obviously I'm looking forward to that part. And um, last, you're going to end up on just some bits of some advice, some general advice. Is that right? Yes, that's exactly right. Great. Okay. Well, let's start with the first bit which is your story and how you got into this this uh how you got into this business.
1: All right. So, it all started with a failure. I was doing a training in Slovakia in a personal development boot camp and it was my first training. I was I went with that team uh, with that team like for 4 years and I saw them doing trainings and being very active and I wanted to do it also. So, while being a four-year member of the of the team, I started with my first training, and it was an informational training. Basically, I used PowerPoint to deliver around twenty-four slides to the people in one hour, and then I found that the slides finished in twenty minutes, and I loaded another PowerPoint. So, basically, yeah, sounds awful. It was my first, actually. I I shouldn't even call it a training, it was my first presentation ever, be- besides university of course.
0: But that's, that sounds so, you know, when you get to that situation, when your slides run out 40 minutes early.
1: Yeah, well, this doesn't happen now because I don't use any slides. No, of course. Yeah. But uh, then it was, um, the content was alright, so the people there appreciated that they found some useful information, but it was pretty boring compared with the other people there. So when I came home, I researched some organization or places where I could um, go to become a better trainer and I found Toastmasters, which is a public speaking and leadership organization. It's renowned around the world and I joined it. After two years of Toastmasters, I pretty much corrected, let's say, most of my obvious mistakes that I was doing and I started doing uh, the trainings in trainer to people way, meaning I was there in front of all the audience and I delivered. It was alright, this was uh, the normal thing in my country in Romania and uh, every other trainer was doing just about the same thing. Going in front of the people and telling them how should they manage their time, what are some tips and tricks about time management and everything in between.
0: That's not just in Romania. Uh, yeah, actually, I think that's too. in a lot of places. That that's uh, regarded as what training is.
1: Yes, which was actually a public public speaking, not training, but that was its name. It worked. It worked for a few years, up
0: until yeah, it has it has its place, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, actually, it's all right as long as the people in the audience don't have information that they need to have. But when you want them to put in practice what they learn, there are other better methods. Um, Three years ago, I was doing a time management training and I wanted to do something different. So I created a game in which uh, the people had a schedule and they had to put tasks in that schedule in teams. They uh, had a lot of tasks, some with, Uh, Which were bigger and required more time some which required more energy and it was a game in which with the available Energy you need to put some tasks if you put one task you like sleeping or reading you get more energy if you put a very draining task like uh, work on a big difficult project your energy goes lower and they needed to fill up their schedule for the week and in that game one of the girls in the debriefing told me that she starts with the most difficult task, the first thing in the morning. And then from another group, one of the people there asked her, why, why does she start with that difficult task? And she said that she goes hiking and when she hikes some big mountain, after that going over a hill is as easy as pie. So, with that metaphor, she applied it to her time management, and while uh, working at her biggest priority and most difficult project the first thing in the morning, after that, all her day, she feels very productive and it's easy to work at the other minor in comparison tasks. And then was the point that I interrupted, and I told her that she actually invented, uh, reinvented a known time management technique called the uh, current initiative. and when she heard that her eyes sparkled she was like the inventor of a technique that was the point when i realized that it's more to trainings than being in the center of the attention and transmitting information and i started remaking my trainings so that they are more engaging and people have a ahas from their own uh, experience not from mine that's when, when i realized that uh, Doing things in an
0: engaging way was for me. And then the next step happened, which was going online. Seems like it's going to be a challenge too, engaging experiential learning. But I know you're going to get to that later. Online training is often the last thing it is, is engaging and experiential. Yes,
1: and uh, that that's the catch. When I went in the online environment, there were I found that it was exactly as uh, the other trainings that I experienced in which uh, the person in on the camera is transmitting information to the audience. So with my experience from the offline facilitation, I brought some new ideas in the online trainings and my trainings got pretty successful. Now I have around 5,000 students all over the world and I got my courses published in Japan, Russia and other countries. Wow, that's really impressive, yeah. The catch was that I brought some um, Tips and tricks from my insights into facilitation, and uh, this was totally different from what most instructors do, which is just transmitting information. And in this podcast, I would like to share with you some of the tricks and also some of the quick ways in which you can convert your existing material as from an offline trainer to an online trainer, from an offline course to an online course.
0: So that that's getting into the next bit of what you wanted yes. to talk about, isn't it? The actual practical ways that you can take an offline, normal, I suppose if that's the okay word to use, normal uh, training workshop, and put it into something online. <laughs> yes. Well, actually, my first course in the online environment was uh, the
1: standard one. I was uh, just blabbling in front of the camera about time management, and the setup was also extremely difficult because I had the membership site. Uh, that had to be linked with a WordPress theme and with a payment gateway. It was a nightmare of technical difficulties. Uh, then uh, one of the e-learning platforms got pretty successful. It was uh, Udemy.com, and they offered very personalized support for instructors. Um, they got step by step a step by step guide, which helped me uh, design my course and uh, promote it to their audience and. That's the point where I got my first uh, $300, but $300 of monthly revenue, and it was in a pretty passive way. So I got uh, very motivated to switch all my other courses from the offline environment to the online environment, and I started working. So let's get practical. If you're a trainer and you want to switch to the online um, environment, what I recommend is one of... If you concentrate on um, buying one thing that would help you most in becoming an online trainer, that's the microphone. Get the best microphone that you can afford and just a good enough camera. Actually you can do it even without a camera by narrating over uh, slides. But if you want to be interactive and engaging and to get uh, pretty successful, you need a good enough camera. Just concentrate your spending on the microphone. I can recommend the Blue Yeti microphone or in case you're,
0: um, what was the name of that microphone? Sorry. A Blue Yeti. Blue Yeti. Yes.
1: It's a USB microphone. It's very cheap, a hundred euros approximately. And, um, it delivers, uh, a pretty good sound level. And I, I use it for all my courses and was uh, never disappointed by it. Actually, I'm using it for this interview. So if you're hearing, uh, Noises in uh, the background, then it's not my microphone. <laughs> right, okay. All right, so that would be the first tip. Buy the best microphone.
0: It's interesting that you said about the camera there, because I would have assumed that you would say get the best camera as well, but you're you're not saying that. You're just saying a, a, a good enough camera.
1: Yes, well, that's uh, actually one of the things that you learn while uh, teaching online. In The camera and how you look on camera isn't that important as how your voice sounds. If your voice is pretty, if you have vocal variety and uh, if people like listening to you, they will enjoy listening to your course, but it doesn't matter if you stand up, if you stand down, if uh, you narrate over slides, as long as your voice feels good to them, they will continue listening even if it's just a medium voice, but if they don't hear you, they will not be able, if they don't hear you, all right, they will not be able to follow your course. For example, try watching a movie on a very low volume level, or just when people um, create noises around you, go in a very noisy place and watch a movie and see if you like watching that movie in that place. But close the movie, video and just listen to it and you still understand that some things are happening there and you'll be interested in it. So that's a good way to see how sound affects us actually more than video. Of course we all like uh, and enjoy uh, seeing great video, but if sound doesn't exist or if sound is terrible, then that's a total turnoff. You will not be able to watch a course if the sound is not great.
0: That's really good advice. That's, as I say, I think probably unexpected as
1: well. All right. So that's the first tip. The second one is take one of your best courses that you have and that you'll deliver in the offline environment and start delivering the content in front of the camera. It's important to start doing that and not worrying about all the things that you need to do besides that. If you don't start, you'll just procrastinate. So take your course and start. Recording it.
0: That's it After you So 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 when you say start recording it, you mean actually just reading it out almost as a video Good point.
1: Uh, It depends if you're a creative person And if you have no problem speaking in English, then just deliver it in front of the video camera If you're an introvert like me, there are some tips or if you don't speak English native natively one thing It's maybe it will be strange to speak in front of of a wall because you're transitioning from speaking in a room full of people and uh, sensing that energy to speaking in front of a wall. So one little tip is to have a figurine or a doll or maybe a photo of somebody and just put it above the camera and look at that person. It's a good tip for for introverts so that they uh, don't look at the wall. Another small tip would be to use a prompter which can be a tablet, for example, it doesn't, you don't need to buy an expensive prompter. The, you can use the prompter to deliver your lines or just main ideas that you want to follow during your presentation. And uh, even though at first it may sound like reading in, after 30 minutes of recording, you start getting into the flow and it will sound natural. So maybe just start by recording some demo stuff and trying it out at first. Right. All right. Uh, The prompter is also useful when people are not native because uh, when you create your words from your imagination, sometimes you're not thinking about the accent. For example, if you are hearing me on this interview, I don't have the, a great English accent, but if you'll see my online courses, I will have a better accent there and maybe better wording. That's because I'm reading from a prompter.
0: All right. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I hadn't I hadn't noticed that. I will. Uh, I'll have a look when we finish recording. I'll go into your your course and have a look. Yeah, actually. And listen uh, to the accent.
1: And all the punchlines—they are not uh, just uh, creatively spoken while uh, re- recording the video. They are on the prompter. Right. Okay. Well, I'm going to listen for your accent. All right. And then, so the first thing is get a good microphone. The second one is just start recording, and you'll. You learn so much from the recording process and from the post recording process, much more than thinking about how you'll do it and what stands in your way. So just start doing it and then the questions will appear and then you'll solve them. All right, and the third one is upload your course, of course, on an in-learning platform and follow their suggestions to start and earn some passive money. And why I am, why am I saying that? Most people, after they record a course, they check the course. They don't like how it's uh, delivered. They would like to re-record again. They do re-record again and they don't like their second recording and they get demotivated. Just pub- publish your course on the platform and get some suggestions from the experienced people there that are there to help you. So you'll get suggestions, for example, to use um, better lighting. So instead of recording a course three times because you don't like how you spoke some sentences, actually the real feedback from people that want your course published on their platform and making money will is another one, a totally different one that one that you that than the one that you thought of.
0: So these suggestions this feedback is actually coming from the people that own these platforms at first yes like, and uh, th- like you mentioned udemy as the one that you started using after so they would they actually do offer you a um, feedback
1: yes uh, they are actually quite
0: good at doing
1: this and they have a st- strong community i uh, am not affiliated with udemy but i recommend them if you are starting your first courses and even if you don't want to publish on Udemy, just put your course there to get the feedback and just and then publish it somewhere else. But they are great at getting feedback and they also provide a step-by-step guide.
0: Okay, so that's who you recommend from your experience. And as you said, you're not here to sell that. You don't get paid by them or anything. No. It's just, just from your own experience. Yes, they, are,
1: they have a lot of students. I think more than 4 million, 5, something like that. And they are still growing. Wow. Yeah, they're pretty good. Also, if you want to see great courses, I also recommend Coursera, which is pretty known. Uh, There are a lot of of mostly professors at university that teach there. And uh, their top courses, together with Udemy's top courses, may offer you an insight into how a course should be delivered.
0: And that was Coursera? Yes,
1: Coursera.com.
0: Okay, we'll put the links to these on the website. So anybody going to um, www.trainer-tools.com, you'll be able to see the links to these uh, the sites here that Bogdan's recommending.
1: So all in all, get the microphone, the, record your course, and publish it, and only modify it after you get the feedback from the other side. Never from your own feedback, because we are all, all perfectionists, and if we listen to our perfectionism, we will never deliver.
0: Right okay that's good that's good advice so that was around the sort of the actual practical stuff of just getting on with it yeah uh really isn't it it's cuz get a microphone get on with it and then um let other people tell you how to improve it you said you were going to um sort of top three things to take care of
1: yeah um uh, i i can't but say again make sure that the microphone you buy is good. Voice matters way more than video in the online environment. All right, so the second thing that you need to take care of is a good step-by-step guide. You can listen to a podcast, but what I recommend as a step-by-step, click-by-click, check-by-check is, again, on udemy.com, they have the step-by-step guide in which the first step is putting the course name and the course subtitle the second one is creating a curriculum with examples and everything
0: all right uh, also I- so you mean sorry sorry so you mean a, so you mean a guide when you say a step by step guide you're talking about for you as a trainer yes. follow a follow a step by step guide to make sure that you do everything correctly yes is that what, is that what you're saying totally right okay you don't mean as part of your course no no no
1: it's a very easy way for an instructor when he's, uh, he or she is starting out to follow some checkboxes and just uh, right. finish their course in no time.
0: Okay. Yeah, these things can be quite fiddly when you don't know them, can't they?
1: Yes. Also, usefedora.com has a great online course into delivering and promoting online courses, but it is not free. So uh, that's an alternative to the online checklist on Udemy. All right. And uh, last but not least, and maybe the most important step you can take is to just act. You, If you don't publish your course and get that feedback, you will always think of things to improve and things to modify. It's better. It's actually perfect if you don't edit your videos and just export them and publish them and see what they say. They will tell you, edit it there, please, because there you have a problem.
0: So get that feedback from
1: the um, online platform support team.
0: Okay. So that, so that you were just saying your top three tips there, I suppose, or top three things to take care of, which was kind of really reiterating what you said before, isn't it? About to get the microphone, follow yes. the step by step guide carefully, and then. Don't waste your time fussing around trying to make everything yeah. perfect. Actu- just bung it, bung it out there and see what happens and res- and listen to the feedback. Yeah, actually, it's very easy to always de- to deliver um, an
1: online course, especially if you're a trainer and you already have all the know-how. So you just translate it into the course. And uh, if we want to add some little things to it, if you're using a prompter, which means that you have a transcript of the things that you're going to read, to your audience, you can reuse all those transcripts into a book. I have uh, launched two books, and I'm preparing to launch the third one, which are identical with the content that I'm speaking in my course. They have the same ni- name, the same title, the same subtitle, and they are they are actually my course in the written form. So, if you've never written a book before, it's easy just write transcripts for your prompter from which you'll read when recording your course. And then take all those uh, those transcripts and compile them into a PDF and upload it on uh, Amazon's publishing platform, for example. And you can have a Kindle book in no time or Amazon also offers uh, publishing in uh, hard copies.
0: So it's very, very easy. And that's a clever way of using the content You've already already created the content. You had to write it anyway. Yeah. makes a lot of sense, yeah. Also, um, one of the things that I would recommend is to get support and
1: help from the community because uh, all of the learning platforms that uh, you may be using have online communities and they can give you feedback ranging from what specific microphone to choose. Maybe you don't want to buy the Blue Yeti and you want an alternative or maybe spellings that you've missed in your videos or recommendations for quizzes you may ask your students so why not take advantage of this opportunity join their online communities and get some feedback it is very useful especially at first when for example you may not know how to present your course
0: okay and that one there was about taking advantage of the fact that there is quite an active community out there yes Uh, A very active
1: one, actually. I can't follow... There are so many discussions on Facebook right now on their support groups that I can't follow them. So whatever question you may have, you'll get an answer in two or three hours, maximum. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: Right. I don't know what it's like in Romania, but in the UK, I don't suppose education is quite as valued as it is in other places around the world. And the the number of people in the world that are taking advantage of online courses and that are really spending time learning stuff and upskilling themselves just privately in front of their computers. It's just phenomenal.
1: Yeah, actually, that's true. And I traveled all around the world seeing and participating in courses, learning from a lot of trainers. Erasmus has a program for traveling around Europe and learning about various problems in the European environment. I've been a part of it. And I've seen a lot of trainers. And most of them could benefit and would should have the opportunity to pu- publish their courses online. I mean, there's such a gap in the um, online environment that can be filled by a lot of content that's delivered in the offline environment and nobody is taking advantage of it.
0: No, absolutely. Mm. No, it's, it's it's fascinating how it's changing the market.
1: Yeah, and now the courses in the online are getting... the Actually, I see a transition because in the last few years, the courses started becoming more project-based or more interactive than before. Before they were only teaching, teaching, teaching via online. And now there are a lot of group works and group projects.
0: I was going to say that because I know that's the next bit that you want to move into anyway when you're talking about how can you actually... Because I know another of your passions is experiential learning. And how can you take all of the things that come from experiential learning and put that into the online courses? Which are otherwise the they, however well you deliver however well you speak at the end of the day if it's just a video it's not it's not the same as a social experiential experience in a in a workshop
1: yes and uh, that's actually one of the things that the online um, where the online platforms are lacking a bit because you don't have good methods in which you can create engagement and interaction but you can use some tricks for example i While I was editing my online courses, I got very good at using the editing, the video editor, which was ScreenFlow. So I said, why not create a video, an online course using screen on how to use ScreenFlow for video editing. So I created it and I've done it in a totally different way from the courses that I delivered prior, meaning I did it project based. So instead of launching a course in which I gave I was recording the screen and showing how I was editing movies. What I did was create four projects. One was editing a narration over uh, PowerPoint slides. The other one was editing a Skype interview, a, rec- a video recorded Skype interview. Another one was editing um, a video recording of yourself speaking on camera, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and. I did for each of the projects three sections. The first section was all the technical skills that you needed to do that specific project. Then all the theory you needed to do this project. For example, in the technical skills, I told them how to at first how to configure screen flow, then how to split clips into two, three, how to add the voice from the PowerPoint narration. Then, in the second section, the theory, I told them how to speak over the slides, how to um, some tips and tricks when moving the slides, to synchronize them with the voice, and things like that. And then in the third section, it was a project in which my audience had to create a project where they narrated some slides. So this course was targeted to video to online instructors. And it was very well received by the community because once you got into that course, you got, you received a very tangible result. At the end of the course, you knew how to edit a Skype interview, how to edit your a video of yourself speaking on camera and how to edit your narration over PowerPoint. So when you see all those, um, tangible results, it's very motivating for you as a student to go and participate and interact with uh, the community from that course.
0: So how did you actually do that, though, in terms of the practicality of the the lessons, if that's the right word? Did you just sort of do a little bit and then say, right, now you go and do it?
1: Actually, yes. For example, the first few sections, the first two sections, the first section is Teach with Keynote, which is PowerPoint for Mac. Yeah. First few videos introduction and setup configuring and making a recording the timeline splitting clips etc the second section was teach with keynote how to teach with keynote a sample teaching video in which in, from another course i was teaching something over a keynote over some keynote slides and then a project it was their turn now to create an educational video using keynote or powerpoint and their voice over it. So they used everything they learned up until then, and just that, nothing more, to deliver the video. And I didn't go into the advanced stuff of the video editor. I just gave them enough for them to start and to get something going.
0: Right, and but then you would stop and say, now you need, and sort of give them instructions about how to do it themselves. Yes, they... So, So I'm just trying to think how you make it experiential from that point of view. So you're basically making them set up a project to edit their own. Yes. uh, So so after each bit, they have to go and do it. Yes.
1: So before the project starts, they get a sample so they can see the outcome of a similar project.
0: So, I mean, when it's it's kind of learning a a very practical skill like that, especially that's a computer-based skill, and the course itself is on a computer, I can see how it's fairly easy to join those two things up. What about in a kind of different type of course? Like, for example, you mentioned previously time management. Yes. If you were doing a time management course online, what kind of ways could you make that experiential? In the same way, your, your game example is a really good example of what you could do in a real workshop. Yes. Uh, what about in an online workshop?
1: This is more difficult tool. I can give you some examples. Yeah, do that, please. Yeah, I think that'd be really useful. I've uh, launched a course using a, about a personality test, It was DISC. It's a world-renowned test that's used in a lot of companies. uh, Yeah, I know that one. Yeah. Yeah, to identify personality typologies and basically to understand why some people are more social, others are more dominant, and various other personalities. So what I did. So 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 Bogdan, what are you on DISC? Tell me.
0: I am um, I am C the cautious a high a high c oh well, that makes sense with your interest in computers
1: yeah doesn't it? though since i'm doing i'm going parachuting tomorrow i don't know how cautious i am but still i am the c type right okay even if i'm going parachuting i'm like studying so hard to understand every possible situation so yeah we can consider cautious even in those circumstances
0: so I was thinking that because that's quite detail orientated. The C tends to be conscientious is the, yes. is the word I've used that, and they tend to be very detail orientated. And as you say, quite risk averse, maybe want more and more data in. But <laughs> some true. of the things that you were saying about, you know, writing up all your notes perfectly and then just turning them into a book is the sort of thing that I'm not very good at doing. I, my notes would be a few bullet points and then I would just do that and then I'd probably never get around to writing them up into a book. I was actually doing a podcast
1: um, two months before with Alexa Fisher. She's a public speaker and trainer in the public speaking field and um, she's my total opposite personality. She's very expensive. Uh, she doesn't need PowerPoint. She doesn't need slides. She doesn't need uh, prompters. She just speaks and can deliver something impromptu. And uh, I was like, uh, get. while I was with her on the podcast, we were uh, speaking from totally two different angles. And it was great because um, the value to the audience was they were getting everything from the other side also. So they learned from me how to convert their course into a book because they used uh, transcripts and from her how to be creative without using those transcripts.
0: Right, yeah, that's really interesting, yeah. So anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. You were saying about how you were using the uh, personality profile, the DISC personality yes. profile. So, sorry, uh, please please go back to what you were trying to say before I rudely interrupted you.
1: So, for example, for the E with, or C, which is uh, cautiousness or cautious, the cautious personality. Conscious, conscientiousness, yes. Or the cautious <laughs> Conscientious. I'm using nicknames for each and every one because they're easier to remember and say so I was um, after the video where I delivered the C type of personality I had the f- homework for them in which I gave them an example in which another person used that homework and what he gained from it and then I delivered the homework so basically first I showed a authority that that homework works Uh, Proof, actually, that that homework works. And then I gave them a homework. And the homework was to spend one day in the shoes of a D personality. Actually, it was a two-step homework. The first day was to identify C personalities in their life. And the second day was to spend the day into a person that is the C type The C type. So basically they had all the traits and they knew how that person reacted. They had to get one of the printables with them. And whenever a situation came, they should, they were invited to think, how would a C person react? Of course, we don't change our personality instantly and we don't have to. But but just by thinking how another person reacts, you gain empathy, you understand other people and you you gain some insights that are very useful to it. And then you
0: basically see the value of the lessons that you learned. So you've really used the online medium for some quick knowledge transfer, but then you've made them go off and practice the skill. And that has to be kind of be outside of the online environment. That for, has to be in the yes, real world.
1: for now, unfortunately, yes. There are an, any games uh, or game, gamification systems that are very, very productive in on the platform. So you need to invite your students, especially for personal development courses, to go
0: out and try what you're uh, teaching. So really, it's just about keeping that knowledge transfer fairly short and sharp and snappy, I guess. Yes. Um, so you're not going on for half an hour, 40 minutes
1: what actually I've what I found out that it's very useful is to concentrate on giving them something tangible from the first few lessons. If you give them an exercise or a practical homework that they can use after they invested in the course. So when they are most motivated to follow your course, their motivation will continue and they will, uh, watch and practice everything that's in the course up to the end. But if they, in my uh, older courses, I wasn't doing this. And I saw that the rate of the interaction was dropping after the first few videos. So there were students that were following the videos up until the end, but there were other students that didn't get to the homework and didn't see all the practical things in the course.
0: So it's very much about giving something quite tangible, quite quickly. Yes the quicker sort of you give k- keep them keep the motivation going
1: yes the quicker they see something some benefit for them the more motivated they'll be to follow on
0: okay i think that's a really important lesson or tip to think about as well because it becomes even more important because of the medium and you don't have the same engaging experience it becomes even more important to be very very structured and very focused in terms of the knowledge transfer but also in terms of saying you know Skill acquisition—you have to be very structured and very focused and very. I'm just repeating myself here. I'm just saying the same words again. Sorry, but that's what I was thinking. It has to be like that. Yes. Whereas you can't, you know, on a on a face to face workshop, you may explore ideas and and wallow in theory and you know do different things and have discussions. Um, you, you may spend quite a lot of time wallowing around in the same bit of, th- the same ideas. Mm-hmm. You don't ha- you don't have that same space online. True. True.
1: One um small niche here are the programming courses which are a bit different than the personal development or other types of courses because in the programming courses first thing they are very they have a lot of students a lot of people want to learn programming and the second thing they are already interactive so if you do a good enough programming course you'll get a lot of questions from your students and from those questions, you'll know exactly what materials to record next.
0: Yeah, so I think I think when it's things like that, it makes a lot of sense, especially as it's so computer-based. Yes. So any kind of computer-skilled stuff is going to be much, it's going to lend itself quite naturally to that. Yeah. But really. what, what's interesting, what's interesting is how you've used it beyond that. Is how you've used it into behavioural-type um, training. You've used it, I know, in terms of the active reviewing course that you're putting together at the moment with a friend of this podcast, Roger Greenaway. Yeah, I was uh, very glad
1: to h- actually. I learned about this podcast by uh, one of Roger's emails. We were launching a course together, and he told me about a podcast that he was featured on. And when I saw your podcast, I was amazed because I didn't know there was any podcast about for trainers. I think that it's the
0: only one. There, there is there is one by Training Zone, oh. which is which is quite good. Training zone, one word. I wish you a but, lot uh, of But yeah, with Roger this. is... Um, thank you very much. No but, Ro- Ro- yeah, uh, Roger Greenway has been on a couple of podcasts on here and his stuff's always really strong. Oh God, I don't know what I'm saying. What the hell am I saying? And I know you've been working with Roger Greenway on an active reviewing course. Yes,
1: um, I-, I was actually very impressed by his work. I wanted to go to the UK to meet him, but one of my business partners in Romania told me, why don't we bring him here? And I was like, aha, why don't we? So we brought Roger for a training in my city. I got so much from that training that we did a partnership and now we've launched the course. It's on www.activereviewing.com. And uh, actually, it's a good example of a course that took one month to deliver.
0: Yeah, I think I've seen some of it and it is really good. So I do recommend people go and have a look at that. And that website was activereviewing.com. And I would really recommend going back and listening to the, if you haven't done already, a very unlikely event that you haven't listened to, Roger Greenway's podcasts on this feed, on the Trainer Tools podcasts, because they're really good, are really interesting, and quite transformational for trainers. So please do listen to those. He has great content. He does. He does. He's very good. Um, I'll just do a quick summary. Of what you were what you were saying there, so because initially you started talking about yourself and how you went from being a speaker, I suppose to being a proper experiential trainer facilitator, and then how when you were got to do stuff online, you wanted to carry over that same uh, that's th- those same principles and you 've been quite successful so far, put together quite a lot of few courses, got over five thousand students, and some of the key things that, in terms of getting practical that you talked about were getting a a microphone, that's more important than a camera. Yes. Uh, just, just deliver it, just get on with it, just do it, don't procrastinate, just do it, get it up there, get it live, and then just listen to the feedback and just do it that way rather than fussing around and trying to make it absolutely perfect. Much better to listen to the experts. And there's quite a lot of experts out there. Follow the step by step guide, listen to those experts, really use the community that you've got as well. Yes, absolutely. I think they were the main points that you said. And then we talked about how to make it experiential. And some of that just has to be outside the online environment. So it has to be setting homework, giving people very specific practical stuff that they have to go and go off and do, unless it unless it's acquiring a, a very specific computer-related skill, in which case you can kind of do that project as you go along. But otherwise, a lot of the actual practice has to be outside of the course, but still built into the way you structure it and the way you present it. Yes. Is that an okay summary, Bogdan? That's a perfect summary. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you very much for that. And if anybody wants to know more about you and wants to get in contact with you personally to find out and explore this a lot more, how would they get in contact with you? Um, You can
1: find me on www.vaidabogdan.com. Basically, my main uh, topics of interest is delivering uh, trainings in other countries. So if you want, I can come to your country and do a training. And also in... uh, Fixing instructor curriculums, be it online
0: to make them more engaging or offline to make them experiential. And there's details about Bogdan on the Trainer Tools website, which is trainer-tools.com. There's a page on there and there's some links to Bogdan's website, VidaBogdan.com. And also some of the things that you've mentioned during this podcast, some of the links and resources that you've talked about, those links are on there as well. So thank you very much, Bogdan. It's a pleasure to speak to you. And thank you for rushing home through the 41 degrees <laughs> heat of yeah. Romania to speak to me. I really appreciate it.
1: And thank you, John. And I appreciate for being here and for having the opportunity to
0: interact and uh, have an interview with you. So that was me speaking to Bogdan Vaida about how he's taken his courses and put them online and been quite successful. If you want to get in touch with Bogdan, you can do. There's links on the Trainer Tools website. So thanks for listening. and. I hope you will tune into the next one when I will be speaking to Nick Eve about facilitation. And it's a really, really interesting cast. Um, So please download that, subscribe or whatever. It will be out on the 25th of September. So thank you for listening and please keep supporting the podcast. Please do uh, a review on iTunes. That really makes a big difference and really helps in supporting the cast. Obviously, if you do a positive review, if you have a negative review, then don't do that, please. Just a positive review and subscribe via iTunes or whatever system you use. And please share the content over social media. Thank you and see you next time.